0: Slice audio In a world where chronic diseases continue to rise, a new approach to health care is emerging, one that empowers individuals to take control of their health through lifestyle changes. In this interview, I'll sit down and talk with Dr. Stephen Niebuhr, an expert in lifestyle medicine for Monument Health. Doc Talk is coming up next. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring monument health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune in to your health with Monument Health. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me again is Dr. Stephen Niebuhr, who is a diplomate of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Completed your training in New York and DC and Maryland, and then, and then you came out here to the best part of the Dakota, <laughs> Western Dakota, South Dakota. Uh, glad to have you back on the show, Doctor. Yeah. Uh, it's so nice to, to have you back. Last time we were talking about uh, kind of lifestyle medicine in general, mm-hmm. which is what you practice, right? Um, so growing up, were you, uh, were you a, a child of, of perfect exercise and perfect health and eating all the right things? And
1: I, I was pretty active as a kid. I played a lot of sports, sure. but as far as eating, there was probably some room for improvement. <laughs> uh, I can remember my grandmother, you know, taking us out to a certain fast food restaurant with golden arches, uh, as <laughs> oh, a treat, a won't name drop it <laughs> yeah, <at> all. Right. <laughs> um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything of it, you know, that was just a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um you know eat candy bars i, I mean yeah. whatever just do what normal kids did
0: right were your were your parents relatively healthy people too i mean were they out active and outgoing and tried to get you to eat right or were they just like the rest of
1: us yeah they were i mean they they weren't professional athletes or right. anything but yeah they were generally healthy okay. i mean i think we did pretty well right um uh, but not anything that would be considered extreme probably sure. by most people
0: so you uh like i said you're a uh, you're you're uh you're you're a doctor uh, that specializes in lifestyle medicine um can just really briefly mm-hmm. can you just kind of explain what that is again uh if people didn't hear the last episode
1: sure yeah it's it's the practice of using evidence-based medicine uh to try to optimize health as much okay. as possible to prevent and reverse disease
0: so let's get into uh really kind of the meat of all of this okay um now are there more than than, than six of these um uh, uh I don't know, disciplines, I guess, for lack of a better word, or how how do you, you said you group these, you don't necessarily consider them pillars. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, and you know, I do kind of borrow in my own practice. I kind of borrow a little bit from American Heart Association. Okay. Um, theirs is a little bit more kind of numbers based. Like they say, your blood pressure and your blood sugar and your cholesterol should be at these values. Um, I, I think of those as kind of like secondary endpoints though. So if you are truly putting in the effort, you're eating right, you're exercising, you're getting to a healthy body weight, those things tend to follow. Um, so if somebody is is morbidly obese and they're dealing with insulin resistance, which is diabetes, right. and they're dealing with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and, and they start really making um, optimizations in their life and they're eating better and they're getting some exercise and they're really working on reversing those health issues, th- those values tend to improve along with them. Um, depending on how long they've had those issues, they might still need some pharmaceutical therapy along sure. the way. Um, but almost invariably, you'll see improvements in those in those values as, as health is improving.
0: OK, well, let's um, let's just start with uh, I think a good place to start, because we've talked about that quite a bit, is is just the nutrition. Mm-hmm. Right. That Just what you eat in general can make a big difference. Sure. Um, so there must be specific dietary approaches
1: mm-hmm. or patterns. Yes.
0: That you recommend. Right. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, I think the, the first kind of rule that I, I try to give patients, um, I don't know, rule is kind of a harsh term, I guess, <laughs> but is, is really try to avoid processed foods. Um, so if it's made in a factory somewhere, um, you can't really improve on nature, right it, It's unlikely that the final product is going to be better than the raw ingredients that came out of it. In fact, sometimes it's even unrecognizable. you know, if you think of a candy bar, like what did that start out as, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it came from nature originally, right? right. I mean, there's, yeah.
0: Ar- there's an argument to be made for that. Yeah, sure.
1: but it's so highly processed. Uh, imagine if you took somebody, you had a time machine, and you grabbed somebody from a 1,000 years ago, and you showed them a, a candy bar. They would have no idea what they were looking at, right? right? I mean, they would literally not know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a sense, this is always kind of a weird way to phrase it, too, but I, I think of like a human diet. And so I don't mean eating humans, Please don't eat humans, <laughs> but like every animal in the world has its diet, right? The cows right. eat grass, the squirrels eat acorns, the gir- giraffes eat the leaves off the trees. And so you can think about like, what is a human designed to eat? And so we've been on this planet for thousands and thousands of years without factories, without, you know, processed foods. So what did we eat originally? Well, you can look at it as, you know, what didn't we eat? First of all, we're really not carnivores, right. despite what, the carnivore diet enthusiasts might tell you, um, I can't run up to a deer and take a bite out of it. I I don't think I could catch a squirrel, right? (laughs) I mean, even a cow, I can't run up to a cow and and take a bite out of it. You can run up to it, yeah, the
0: chewing is difficult. So
1: if you compare us, you know, we need weapons to catch Mm -hmm. animals, basically. I mean, unless you have a farm where they're enclosed, Uh, we need to skin them, we need to cook them over a fire so we don't get parasites, right? I mean, if you compare that to a bear or a wolf or a lion, they're not doing that, Right. right? So we're not really a carnivore. Uh, so what did we eat? Well, you can imagine people basically were walking around and would pick stuff up and eat it. So what is there to pick up and eat when you're walking around? There's there's fruits, there's berries, there's leaves, which are modern day vegetables. And when you compare our teeth and our digestive system to other animals, we are much more in line with those uh, basically plant eating animals. Well, is there are
0: are are there are there meats that that we can eat that are generally considered to be I mean, like for protein alone. I mean, yeah. Are there meats that are okay?
1: Well, I mean, those are kind of two different questions. Sure. So, uh, as far as meat, I mean, I'm—I don't—I'm going to get a lot of kickback <laughs> on this one, but there's—there's—it's hard to argue for health benefits for meat. Okay. Um, It's—you it, know—when I think about healthy foods, to me, that means the more of it you eat, the healthier you get. And if you told me, hey, I eat one steak every night, what if I eat two every night? it would be really hard for me to make any kind of argument saying that would be a good thing. Right. Right. And I think probably most doctors would be in agreement with that. Sure. Um, As far as the protein aspect, uh, you know, there, I, I think a lot of that again is marketing. You know, there's kind of a, they call it a halo effect on protein. If you see something in the store and it says extra protein, you look at it and you go, oh, I should get that, right? Right. But why? I mean, we don't have a protein deficiency. Right. You know, when you look at somebody who literally has a protein deficiency, they're, they're starving. You know, that's somebody who's dying of a terrible disease or just malnourished. That's what protein deficiency looks like. Okay. For the rest of us, I mean, you can look at somebody and decide if they're getting enough protein or not. I can look at you and say, you're getting enough protein. Sure. And so then there's really no need for more protein because you're already getting enough. Um, and, in fact, every every food out there has protein in it, aside from maybe some of the really highly processed ones.
0: I guess I never thought of that. I mean, every yeah.
1: fruit, every vegetable, I mean, every grain, every I mean, every food has protein in it. Okay. So we're really not lacking for protein. And, in fact, if you want to make an argument about macronutrients, you could say, where do you get your fiber from?
0: I mean, the American <laughs> yeah. diet
1: is, is terrible with fiber. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are getting single-digit amounts of fiber. Well, how much are we supposed to have? Well, it depends on where you you know what you look at. If you look at the you know the the, the governmental right. guidelines, it's something like I don't know, ten to twenty grams of fiber, something like but that. But it's
0: obviously more is what we need. Well,
1: if you look at our ancestors again, okay. going back in history, yep. you know you look at the caveman drawings and stuff like that. They had massive faces, right? Because they spent all day chewing, and so the stuff that they ate just was loaded with fiber. Some estimates are that they got 90 to 100 grams of fiber. Mm, I mean, I would bet essentially any amount of money that you could not, and probably I couldn't either, eat 90 to 100 grams of fiber in a day. I mean, it would be virtually (laughs) impossible. Right. I mean, you'd be eating the most fiber rich foods and chewing just all day. Yeah.
0: Well, you keep, you know what, okay. And I I just, I have to get this question out of my head right now. Um, You go back to our ancestors and you go back to thousands of years ago. Yep. And. People didn't live as long
1: back then. Yeah, yeah. Right?
0: Even eating this way, right? Uh, And exercising and doing those things. Right. So if somebody comes to you with that question, <laughs> yeah. how do you...
1: Yeah, I mean, so people, you know, you could die from an animal attack right. or a snake bite, right? right. Um, so in the modern world, I mean, we're, we're lucky we have modern medicine. And modern medicine certainly change, it's, changes lives and saves lives. And, and I'm not opposed to modern medicine. I love modern medicine. It's what right. I do for a living. Right. <laughs> um, you know, if you're having a heart attack, get over and get a stent in there. Open yes. it up, right? I mean, that that's great. Do that. You know, if somebody gets hit by a car... Take them to the ER, Get you know do whatever you need to do. Um, as far as maintaining health, though, in those cultures, when people make that argument about, like, oh, people mm-hmm. didn't live as long, it was more of a divide. It was kind of a bimodal distribution. People either died young from diseases of childhood or infections, or they did actually live longer lives. Um, if they died from an infection, I mean, obviously they're not going to live as long. Right. But their risk of heart attack and cancer and stroke and diabetes was so much less. And we know this because we can study cultures that still live the same way mm-hmm. I mean, there's cultures in Africa and Central America where they're basically living the same way that they did you know thousands of years ago right um, there was a study there was a famous doctor in, in medical school we learned about dr. Burkett he was a I believe he was British and he studied uh, or he worked in Africa and he was astounded to see that people didn't end up with hemorrhoids they didn't end up with diverticulosis, uh, they weren't dying of heart attacks I mean could you imagine going to a hospital and nobody's dying of heart attacks I mean this was this was decades ago I think right. it was in the 30s or 40s or something like that, or 50s maybe. Um, But, I mean, he was comparing – the, the African um, civilization there, or wherever he was living, mm-hmm. African village uh, to the modern kind of like British society, right, and just stark differences there. So that was one of the clues of like, hey, maybe there's something that people are doing different in modern society compared with how people have been doing things for thousands of years. And so that kind of was one of the things that started that study of looking at kind of how ancient people have lived okay, so we're 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 pretty,
0: you know, I think all of us understand that, yes, our our diets are. Probably not as good as they should be here, especially <laughs> in the states, right? Sure. I think we have that in our brain, and we know, and I, and I think a lot of people take steps to try to to remedy that. Yep. But I think the, the the big one on this list mm-hmm. uh, of of all of these is the the exercise, the physical activity. <laughs> okay. We know too that yes, we need to do this. Yeah. Um, but you know, how does it? How how can that really impact? Uh, just your overall health. I mean, it seems. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think we
1: know the answer. Yeah, yeah. But exercise is great. I mean, all, all of these things, all of these six steps are super important. I, I would honestly put food as number one. Right. Okay. And then put, you know, it's hard to really quantify the other sure. one. Sure. I, I I mean, you could argue, well, if you're not sleeping, then you're not going to follow a healthy diet. And you could argue, well, if you're super stressed out or you're you know, exactly. smoking two packs a day. So it's it's kind of hard to say, like, one is more important than the other. They are really all truly important. Yeah. Um, I spend most of my time talking about diet just because sometimes it's quicker to just say, well, stop smoking, right? Right. Even though we we do spend quite a bit of time sometimes talking about that. Um, Exercise, tons of benefits for for really everything. I mean, good heart health, even mental health. Um, There's been studies out there showing that exercise when compared head-to-head with antidepressant medication can be just as good, Uh, assuming you're getting your half an hour a day, five days a week. Right. Um, You can imagine nobody ever says, I regret doing that workout, right? (laughs) I mean, I've never met anybody who said, oh, I wish I hadn't gone to the gym, right? I mean, like, unless you get injured. Well, I don't know, right? right? Maybe. People people (laughs) don't really regret working out, right? So you have obviously heart benefits Mm -hmm. there, brain benefits. Uh, It's good for your metabolism. It's good for maintaining healthy body weight, muscle mass, bone health. I mean, I you know the list goes on. You, you could go on. Definitely, yeah, definitely get that exercise. Um, get your at least a half an hour a day, at least five days a week at a minimum. Right. It sounds like a lot for people, but if you think about like what is your day filled with, there's probably some time where you can squeeze in a little bit in there, even if it's 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening. So
0: let's move then to okay. the the risky substances. Yes. Right. Um, smoking, obviously, I think mm-hmm. we we have done a really a pretty good job here in the United States. Uh, of cutting back on smoking Absolutely. boy you 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 hardly see uh anywhere anymore uh compared to you go to europe sure and they, sure sure oh God, they smoke like yeah. they breathe right yeah um yeah. but here i think we've done a pretty good job but i know a lot of people um are, are most worried about well you know i like to have a drink mm-hmm. i'd like to, to to do that every once in a while yeah is there because the question there, people are going to want to know: Is no, there an, an
1: acceptable amount? Is I'm going to rain on your parade again? So I know you are. They used it's to all right. say they used to say no more than you know 14 drinks in a week, no more that's than a, three drinks in one sitting. Okay. Then they recently kind of revised that to say there's not really a safe amount. Um, they used to say you know a glass of wine is good every day. Right. What happened was there was kind of a what they call a J-shaped curve, where they found that your best kind of mortality, or best health was at one drink a day, and your health, health was actually worse if you had two drinks or three or four, and it was actually worse if you had zero. The problem was they left in people with chronic health issues. So if you have heart disease and kidney disease and liver disease and you're not drinking at all, you're still factored into that, Oh. and so those folks obviously are going to have worse outcomes than people who are basically healthy but having one drink a day. Right. And so when you when you adjust that that model and you take those people with chronic health issues out of that, it's not it's no longer a J-shaped curve. Now the curve goes straight down. And so your best health is at zero drinks, even like maybe
0: one one a week.
1: I, I mean, I, I'm just trying to find again, a number I, I can I, be happy with. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I don't think if you have an occasional drink, it's going to be it's going to kill you. Right. But alcohol is a poison. I right. mean it, it does tax your liver even a little bit. So again, it comes back to that question we talked about originally of like how competitive are you with yourself? How yeah. healthy? Like how close to that line do you want to get, you know? Uh, and and so y- I can't answer that for you. You okay. need to answer that. All right. I mean I, I have maybe a couple drinks a year. I'm not going to say I never drink, right. but, but pretty pretty infrequent what, what do you have so, when you have those couple uh, of years what is it whatever Dr. i don't know it's usually in some social setting <laughs> all right and somebody hands me something i don't know okay I poured you this glass of wine or something yeah. but i mean I, I think if i bought a bottle of wine it would literally last me an entire year wow i mean okay. i i think i have a six-pack in my basement that i bought when i moved here and i think i've had two of them not not six packs Like right, two, beers two beers of the, six the last pack. four years so uh, yeah. the other one on this list
0: now is uh and, and I like that this is, it's not, it's not good sleep. Yeah. It's restorative yeah. sleep.
1: Yeah. I'm, I like that you noticed that.
0: There must be a difference.
1: There's a difference. Yeah. And and a lot of times I, I try to tell my patients, you know, don't confuse being asleep with being unconscious. Right. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff out there that'll, that'll make you unconscious. I mean, you could fall off the roof and you'll be unconscious, but it's not sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. You can have surgery. Usually the anesthesiologist is not going to say, yeah, you slept great. You feel restored like (laughs) a million bucks. Um, And so there's medications out there that people sometimes end up using. But I always kind of caution people. There is really no true substitute for genuine, restorative, authentic sleep. Well, I
0: know melatonin has been a big thing recently.
1: Melatonin, I mean, if you need to use it, use it. Obviously, you know, people staying awake all night is is. Pretty miserable. Yeah. We're all going to sleep eventually. I mean, right. we can't go forever without sleeping. Um, that's always kind of a, a hot topic to discuss because it, it can get, you know, pretty emotional when people are really not sleeping. So sure. sometimes we do help them out with some medications, but um, I never look at that as like a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, here, take this medication forever. Um, but I do see people sometimes that have been taking sleep medications for years and years. It's tough sometimes, you know. Um, but basically, if you can, if you can, you know have a a day that you're really productive, you're very active, you're busy, you're getting your exercise, you're using your brain a lot. Um, You should be tired at the end of the day. And then you want to have good sleep hygiene and good sleep habits as well. Turn the screens off, phones, TVs, computers, all that stuff, at least a half hour to an hour before bedtime. Have you
0: you seen that as one of the the biggest kind of detriments to good sleep oh sure I mean there's or, even or jokes phones? on
1: yeah there's even jokes online I mean I saw one recently where they were like I would do anything to get eight hours of sleep and they were like how about go to sleep eight hours before you want to wake up and they're like no I'm not going to do that and it's like <laughs> that's, know, it, that's perfect <laughs> how about turn your phone off right before you know a right. half an hour an hour before bed now and, and they're like no I wouldn't do that and it's like how about like one minute no <laughs> not going to do it I mean we're all you know kind of now in this culture where you yeah gotta, you got to see what's going on with Things, everything in the course. world um but but you know it's phones are not a natural thing mm-hmm. you know again going back to nature for all of human history up until just recently we had no phones or no screens right. you know i mean it's that artificial light that like blue uh shifted mm-hmm. light basically that's kind of tricking our brains you know we see that blue light and we think of daytime sky as opposed to you can imagine our ancestors sitting around a fire somewhere and it's more orange kind of red color you yeah. know which are kind of sleep colors so what
0: i'm hearing is change my phone background to orange or red yeah and right right exactly
1: <laughs> and there are apps that'll do that for you i mean it's you know it's okay it's all right kind of a band-aid on it you
0: know uh, the other one on this list yeah. is stress management yes and again uh that that's one that i think is is common sense too but i, yeah. I don't know a lot of people that understand how yeah. to manage it. I think that's that's one of the to, to me it could be one of the harder things on this. Oh, list. for
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, every day in primary care, we talk about stress. I mean, I, I don't think I get through a day without somebody coming in feeling overwhelmed with stress or right. depression or something like that. Um, you know, sometimes there's stuff you can do about it. Sometimes you can't. I mean, if you're getting stressed about world events, like, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's, right. it's a tough situation. Um, if it's a family member, a friend, a work situation, maybe you have a little bit more, you know, ability to do something. But even then, I see people that say, oh, I, I hate my boss. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You can look for a new job or, you know, I don't know. try to deal with it. Um, we try to lean on the mental health professionals out there, the, the counselors mm-hmm. and therapists, and try to get them to kind of weigh in. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy can be helpful. Um, I talk to my patients sometimes about meditation, mindfulness, breathing exercises, and stuff like that. There's there's plenty of apps for the phones. Well,
0: and that's yeah, and going and kind of you know you you mm-hmm. kind of, we we kind of bashed that that technology a little bit. Yeah. Not, not really, but you yeah, know, yeah. But there are. Obviously, some very beneficial things sure. to, through technology that can help you with
1: that. A- absolutely. Yeah. And those have been studied as well. Um, one of the more well-known ones is probably Headspace. You may have heard of that. Yes. Um, there's there's actually been studies done on that app. Uh, and even during uh, the early days of the pandemic, when COVID started, the American Medical Association gave out free memberships to Headspace, which I had heard of it, but i had never tried it before. So I've, I'm a member of the AMA. Oh, and so I said, yeah. all right, free membership, let me try it. <laughs> um, and I'd, i actually had a roommate when I was in med school and he was really big into meditation and he always tried to get me to do it. And I was kind of like, eh, it sounds like a bunch of hippie yeah. stuff. Like, I don't know. And so then when I had the free membership, I was like, all right, might as well give it a try. I'm, um, you know, the work was all different and there right. were days when they were like, oh, there's nobody coming into the office, stay home today. So I was like, okay, I'll give this." A try, um, and I actually did find that it was restorative. Like I did notice a difference. I felt calmer. Uh, I kind of tell my patients it's like your shower. It's like your brain taking a shower. Right. It's like that feeling after you shower. You feel nice and clean, but but for your brain. Um, and so it's nice to even spend five or ten minutes or, or more if you have the time, uh, just to kind of close your eyes and do some breaths. And they they kind of walk you through exactly what to do. Right. Um, so I, I recommend it to patients if you can manage it. I think the app's a couple bucks a month or something. Oh, there you it's, go. It's nothing crazy. Okay. Um, and even on online, you can find free stuff. Even on YouTube, there's people that will guide you through stuff. So Right. And there's um, a lot
0: of, oh, like, I mean, just the tech you wear, you know, on your yeah. wrist anymore, your right. phones. They have the mindfulness yep. stuff on here. Yep, tell you to take here. a breath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: basically anything you do, um, one really simple one they call the kind of box breathing technique. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but yes. basically you breathe in for four seconds. So you count the four in your head. Hold it for four seconds, breathe out through your mouth for four seconds, and then hold that for four seconds, and then just keep repeating it and do that for a minute or two. A
0: lot of people say that that's a really good way to fall asleep yeah, for some yeah, folks, absolutely. too, if so you haven't been struggling with that.
1: If you're up at 2 a.m. and you can't fall asleep, you can do that Try in it. the middle of the night. You don't need to turn the light on, even. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> do it while you're driving. Just don't close your eyes. <laughs> the last one on here yeah. that
0: I I think is probably the most interesting one on yeah. these on these. The, these six things for lifestyle medicine. Social connection. Yeah, yeah. So I am kind of an introvert, okay. really. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine being alone yeah. most of the time. Yep. Um, is that is that detrimental to my health?
1: You know, I don't know. I would kind of put myself in kind of a similar category. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a runner. I like going out into the mm-hmm. woods and run on the trails for a couple hours and maybe I'll see like one other person, right? Um, but generally I, I run by myself. Um, and I think there can be some benefit to that. I mean, just kind of being in your own head, almost like we were talking about before. Um, but in general, I mean, meeting with friends or family, um, we usually feel pretty good. Assuming you have a good relationship with yeah. those, those folks, um, you can think about, uh, you know, maybe there's a friend you haven't seen in a while and you catch up and you talk about like. Old times, or talk about what you're up to, um, and there's a there's a calming effect to that. Uh, You know, again, not to keep harping on ancient people, but we we lived in tribes. You know, humans were not solitary individuals you know um, if somebody was kind of out of the the tribe they, they didn't really live very long because there was a lot of responsibilities we had to kind of find food or catch food or whatever the whatever the situation was and we depended on each other so we, we've kind of always been like a, a herd animal so right. to speak it's kind of a weird way to think about it <laughs> um, but we do you know when they do these studies they do show increased uh, kind of neurotransmitters like serotonin dopamine things that make us feel good when we're in a, a close close contact whether it's just actual physical touching or just being in the same room as people that we feel comfortable with. So that's, I guess
0: that was, would have been my next question is how does that, how does that better your health? Yeah. A social
1: connection. I mean, I mean, think of like, you know, the person who you feel closest to Mm -hmm. in the world, you know, hopefully there is somebody. I hope hope you have somebody. I hope everybody has somebody, Right. but that person, it could be your spouse. It could be a sibling. It could be a a best friend. When you see that person, just being near that person tends to make you feel better. Right. So if I see my best friend that I've known for 20 years, and we're hanging out and just doing whatever. Maybe we're just out for a walk. Like, I can feel comfortable with that person. And the, so that has a calming effect on us.
0: So it kind of ties in a little bit to the stress management, oh, too, absolutely. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. In that sense.
1: I mean, again, assuming you're on good terms. Right. When you see that person, or maybe it's your spouse. You know, you go home and give your spouse a hug. Right. And, and, I mean, that, that releases dopamine. It releases oxy-to- oxytocin. I mean, it releases these feel-good hormones in our brain. Right. It helps lower stress, lowers our blood pressure, actually lowers our heart rate. So there, there is benefit there.
0: Okay. Right? I, can, I can totally see that.
1: I mean, think of like, let's say your friends call you up and they're like, hey, this weekend we're all getting together. We're going to go do something really fun. You probably get excited about that, right? Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, right. Or it's like
0: you know what? I've 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 spent enough time with you during yeah. the week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you <laughs> I'm know, I at home <laughs> if alone. You, have, if you see them too much; it might not <laughs> right. be a good thing. But but in general, I mean, imagine or you know, if, if you have kids, right? People love seeing their kids. Yes. In general, right? Yes. So right. Uh, So just that human contact, just you know, even touching skin to skin, right? Right. They talk about uh, when mothers give birth. Yeah. They try to put the baby right away, right on the skin, because yep. they've shown that that increases those neurotransmitters. Right. Excellent. So kind of neat. It is. Yeah.
0: Uh, talking with Dr. Uh, Stephen Niebuhr, uh, Lifestyle Medicine, uh, we kind of went through the six the six pillars of this that, that this practice is kind of based around. Yeah. Uh, nutrition, physical activity, avoiding risky substances, restorative sleep, stress management, social connection. Um, and of course, I, we need to stress in this podcast, too, that this goes, it should be going hand in hand with primary care medicine as well. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Or, uh, that's not what you call it though. Uh, uh, is it
1: We do. Yeah, primary okay. care uh outpatient medicine. I mean, when you're go. coming in for your your wellness yeah, check, your right. annual physical. This is this is not something totally different. Basically, what we do is is just spend more time on this. Do
0: you, do you think this is going to this is going to be uh I mean, 5, 10, 20 years down the road this will be what your doctors are telling you along with everything yeah.
1: else. I mean, I'll say not only will it, it it has to. I mean, okay. we we as a <laughs> as a society cannot keep going at the rate that we're going on. Right. I mean, healthcare costs are going to exceed the total amount of money that the the country makes, the total GDP or close, oh, gross wow. domestic product. I mean, we don't have enough money to keep giving people all these medications to deal with these chronic health issues. We it just it's, it's impossible. We cannot sustain this. So we need to make changes. And a lot of times that has to come from a, a systemic mm-hmm. level or government level or advertising or marketing or whatever, however you want to think about it. Right. But we, we can't just keep putting stuff in our bodies that, that's going to make us sick. Well, I mean, we, we can't. It's just unsustainable.
0: That no. is that is about the best way we can wrap this up. I think right there, it's perfect. Uh, doctor Stephen Niebuhr as a diplomat of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, with Monument Health, it was great to talk with yeah. you, Doctor. This was very informative. Yeah. And uh, again, we talked about in the the first podcast of this. Uh, this is these these are these are simple changes to make, um, but but at the same time they're not easy changes to make, right? But again. They say, what, X amount of hours, you can start a good habit.
1: Yeah, Uh, even just a couple weeks of of routine, it just becomes habit.
0: Yeah, and then you'll want to do it all the time, and and that can be the difference. Like brushing your
1: teeth. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Thank you again, Dr.
0: Stephen Niebuhr. It's uh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.